0: Stand clear of the closing doors, please.
1: Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. You
2: gotta
0: give us a shot. You know what? You gotta give us a shot.
2: What is up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph and the Mage with Tino Rodriguez.
1: Is that was that right? That didn't sound right.
0: That's not right.
1: Not wait, anymore. What's going
0: on here, Mage?
1: Uh wait, why? What happened? Uh we're like this new show now. New I mean, show. it sounded great. It sounded great, but you're gonna have to change the wording up a little bit.
2: All right, all right, let me try that again. Welcome back to another episode of the all-new Clapback Sports. That's right, guys. We changed our name to keep up with the times. Uh, With the addition of Tino Rodriguez, it just didn't feel right to have Murph and the Mage and fuck Tino. So we changed the show name completely, went with Clapback Sports. Uh, We put a poll out. A lot of you agreed. You seem to like that. We like it. So that's how we're rolling going forward. So, as always, new show name, Clapback Sports, same host. Murph, say what's up to the people.
0: Clapback, all facts, killing dreams and hopes. Shout out to our boy Chris for uh, helping us out with that. Uh, What's going on, my people? Feels a little uh, real now that we got Tino on board. Got a new little swag going to our show.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, Murph, I was waiting for me to just give me the intro, but you know what? I appreciate it coming from you. Maybe this is the new dynamic. We we, we go down the line with this. but If
2: we let Murph run
1: anything, we're fucked. That's it. We just <laughs> we just hand over the show. So All right, fair enough. We won't change too much about the show. but I'm- <laughs> We're the wolf pack now. You know, I think the important thing everyone has to realize is that this process kind of took a little bit of time. And so now that this is happening, we appreciate everyone accepting us with open arms and Taking clapback and accepting it and loving it the same way they loved Murph and the Mage and Murph and the Mage with Tino Rodriguez.
2: Yeah, that's right, man. We needed something new. Uh, bring in a uh, new era on this, and uh, clapback sports gonna be more fitting for the three of us. So, as always, follow me on Twitter at the Mage underscore NFL. Follow Murph when not suspended. Murph, are you suspended right now or no?
0: No, this is the uh, first time we've recorded since I haven't been. I think.
2: All right. So follow Murph on Twitter at one Murph blue, and follow Tino at Tino Rodriguez double underscore now follow us on Twitter at clapback underscore sports and on Instagram at the same clapback underscore sports. So what's going on guys. We got some uh, we got some live sports. We got some uh, subway series. We got a blue and white scrimmage
1: with the New York Giants. Let's uh, start with baseball here. Listen, I think uh, if we're going to start with anything and we're talking about clapbacks, I think both the Yankees and the Mets both need clapbacks of whatever the hell happened over the last three to four days of them playing each other. It was the weirdest sequence of baseball I've seen in a long time. The amount of walk-offs, the Mets walked off at Yankee Stadium, then they blew three in a row, but with a wild pitch, I mean, Murph. Inside job. I'm not even going to harp on it because I hate Edwin Diaz so much. And I'm not, you know, it's bad when a walk-off wild pitch isn't the worst part of the series. Normally you'd think that's it, but what a fucking mess. I, what a mess. I, ugh, ugh. The, and, the, and the quality of baseball, Murph, feel free to chime in, but these aren't like the actual Mets and Yankees of this season, I feel. It's like, it's like a shell of what the fuck we expect to see.
0: Oh, we have a, a, a single-A baseball team out there right now, I'm pretty sure. I couldn't tell you half the people who batted for us all weekend long. Uh, but, dude, yeah, weird fucking turn of events, huh? Three, what, six games, right? Y'all were up 3-0, and then it was just a fucking shit show all weekend long.
1: Life as a Met fan. So before the Yankees came back, and so here, here's another thing. The, the Yankees came back in the bottom of the seventh inning, and so that's how doubleheaders are working this year. And then they won an extras because you have the runner on second. Baseball is just, it's a lot for me right now. I feel like there's a lot different going on. Again, if it wasn't weird enough that the Mets, well, like 2020 is so fucked up that away teams are at home parks. You know what I mean? They're playing as the home team in away parks. It's just all messed up. Baseball is changing, and I don't know if it's necessarily for the better
0: it's like they're just trying to get through the schedule which on on half of it i understand because they're all squeezed into such a small time frame but i mean i think you and i have completely different frustrations with our teams right now i mean the the mets have their issues but as far as the yankees go i can only be so mad with injuries but i mean like dude like what how, how does that happen three years in a row literally to the same guys and then on top of it like I know Yankees fans have this very big aspiration of being the best team in the league, but even when the Yankees are fully healthy, they have a a pretty big issue with the pitching staff, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe you guys don't see that as, as being Mets fans looking at from the outside, but I, I don't know, man. I'm just as a Yankees fan, I'm not too much of a diehard like I am with the giants, but I would be pretty fucking pissed with the state of the franchise if I was a diehard.
1: I think it's more frustrating for me. It's, here's the situation that frustrates the hell out of me. Judge comes back. They consider him being rushed back, and now he's going to be on the IL for even longer. And it's just like, fine, like I get it. And then the whole cliche is never going to go away now with Judge. If he's hurt, you don't want to rush him back. But like things like that just kill a season, especially in this format. The fact that he came back, he it was mismanaged when he left when he went to the IL. They didn't know what it was. They said it was no big deal. Then it was fine, and then it's not. And then it then they bring it back, and in one game, fucking five innings, he's out again. And now he's gone for a month. And it's like, what? What are you going to bring him back for the postseason? Is that rushing him back? Do you even care about this season enough to like with Glaber too? It's like, are you going to bring these guys back, or are we going to just call it a wash?
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> For Judge, they're going to treat him like royalty, obviously. So he's probably going to sit on the aisle until he's extremely healthy. But, like, yeah, you have a good good point to me. Where the fuck is Stanton? I don't know where he's at. I'm not sure if he's even with the team, sitting on the bench, what he's doing. But uh, Glaber's not coming back for at least a couple weeks. So – they're out of shortstop. They Which made is no moves
1: the entire season. Yeah,
0: exactly. There's so he's back for the postseason. Um, they made no moves today. They they picked up. I think Jody Mercer's one of the guys' name last week. He's playing shortstop for them now. Um, and dude, I mean, I guess they're just playing with what they
1: got now. I I think they're pretty much out of it. If we're gonna talk about additions, Murph, let's throw a shout out to Jersey's own, the Todd Father, for returning home to the Mets, where he belongs, uh, He, a former Yankee, actually, someone we can both uh, side on, someone we both like on this show.
0: He's a big uh, – I'm a big Syracuse basketball fan. He's a huge Syracuse guy. So, yeah, the godfather. Honestly, though, I'm kind of surprised. Major, are you happy about this too? Because normally Mets fans are shitting all over Frazier.
2: Um, I don't really have a feeling about it either way. I mean, honestly, what is he coming in for anyway? Just to fill the hole at third base. I'm not really sure that that really moves the needle for me. And you know, the Mets also picked up Miguel Castro today, and I'm gonna butcher the name, Tino. You know, help me out here, Chirinos.
1: Yeah, Chirinos.
2: Uh, so you know, I know that the Yankees were also interested in Hader, they were talking about Hader. But um, I guess that was a deal that didn't come to fruition. I know that was a player, too, that the Mets were in on last year, I believe. But I guess the asking price was too high. I don't think anything that the Mets did here really moved the needle, I think. Or do they make the difference? I know, Tino, I know you want to talk about it. Not so, really. I mean, <laughs> well, let's. Not, I'm not talking about the play on the field. That's fair. I'm talking about what's happening off the field. So it looks like that the Wilpons have now entered private negotiations with Steve Cohen, and it all but looks like a sure thing here. But we know with the Mets, nothing is a sure thing until that.
1: So um, I'm pumping uh, my excitement, or at least uh, treading it, because I got this excited when uh, Steve Cohen was supposed to do this the first time around, and then it was real close, and then didn't happen. Now there was a confirmed deadline, so he – Got past that. He won that portion of it. All signs are pointing up. I'm just remaining positive. I think this is going to happen, and I think if it does, the regime of the Mets can finally kind of exhale and certain moves can be made to this organization that a lot of the time that wouldn't happen. The Wolpons have pussyfooted around a lot of decisions, and let's not even get to the whole what the hell happened with the MLB protest. The last, the last week with the Mets have been such a – Sham from the top down in terms of just how they showcase what the Will Ponds kind of translate to Brody and how Brody translates it to the team. Uh, I don't know if you guys got caught up on it, but there was the whole scandal of the Will Ponds basically threw Brody under the bus because he said that he made made that whole story up about him wanting them to leave for an hour and coming back when they were playing the Marlins and protesting black lives.
2: This is just typical Mets stuff. I mean, that's it. I mean, it, we just talk about the miscommunication from the front office to the GM to how bad ownership is. I mean, that exemplifies the Wilpons' ownership in a
1: nutshell, basically. Yeah. And, and it's, it's stupid, but you know what? Again, I think the season's stupid. I think you could see the Mets playing stupid baseball right now. And then if there's only one bright spot in this season, it's that Steve Cohen can hopefully bring a business side to this that the Wilpons haven't. They make everything pretty much personal and petty, and it shows in the decisions that they make.
2: All right, Tino, so let me ask you this question then. What does Steve Cohen bring to the Mets? I mean, I know a lot of people are like, okay, so they're just going to buy all their players do we really expect that as Mets fans or do we just expect maybe a little more competency?
1: Well, I expect the competency for sure, but I don't think it's going to be as simple as he's just going to buy a bunch of people. He's definitely going to be willing to spend money. Again, I I look at it as he's going to pull the strings a little differently than ownership has done it. Like they string a lot of people along. The whole Zach Wheeler thing is a good example they act like they know what the fuck they're doing, and in reality, they don't. They talk a lot of shit. They say, we're going to keep this guy. We intend to sign him, or we're not going to do this, or they don't bargain with teams and don't give value, and they don't do anything, and they they fuck you in the long run. Look at our, uh, our pitching rotation right now. I mean, in retrospect, they take the gamble on Stroman. They don't sign Wheeler, or they commit to Cinder. It's just a merry-go-round of decisions that feel like is – it was all over the place. They didn't know really who to commit to. And honestly, I think the players kind of feed off of it, and they know there's no sense of direction on where the, fucking, where the team is. Let's put it this way. Jacob deGrom is getting paid pennies to pit for the Mets in what his actual value to this fucking team is. So every decision from here on out kind of has to be put under that microscope, and I don't think they could manage to do something like that again. That's the thing. I think if Cohen comes in, he can pull off – monster deals or like team-friendly deals like DeGrom. I don't think the Wilpons could repeat that success, even if they fucking wanted to. I don't think if you go back to it, they even know how they got Jacob DeGrom to commit to this team for the term that they did and for the amount of money that they did.
2: For me, the one thing that kind of scares me a little bit, so when I look at a similar type of ownership and I look at Steve Cohen, it reminds me of David Tepper with the Carolina Panthers. Now, granted, the Carolina Panthers are, have a salary cap, but we just saw David Teppard throw a whole bunch of stupid money at Matt Rule, right? And he also gave him his sports science facility and everything else. That will be great. But again, you know, Jim Dolan has also done this in terms of the Knicks, right? Kind of gave Phil Jackson everything he wanted. Just come in, come in, you know, take over everything. You run the show. I'll pay you whatever you want. I just don't wanna see that out of Cohen. I wanna see some smart business deals being done. I wanna make sure that this team has a future in terms of their farm system going forward. We have to develop and cultivate young talent as well as the right free agents. I, I, I think that's where with Cohen, the Mets won't get in trouble. I don't think it's gonna be about pinching pennies. And I don't think it's gonna be about playing favorites, right? I mean, DJ LeMahieu was on the market and so was Jed Lowry. And the Mets went after Jed Lowry while DJ
1: LeMahieu uh, remained out there. And he's a fucking hitting machine for the New York Yankees now. Cohen is going to have to come at this from an outsider's perspective. And I think he will in terms of even Brody just coming in. I think they have to put Brody on on point too. Because a lot of those decisions are being made because... Well, I
2: was going to ask you,
1: is Brody gone? I mean, the Diaz decision was enough for me. I mean over over time will be enough for me to make it a fireable offense. But, you know, you, you pile in everything else this off season, you know, Lowry over LeMahieu, things like that. If that continues to build, I mean, he can't have more than one season. I understand sometimes new ownership, they'll come in and want to give a guy a shot, especially because that's the team that they assembled in front of them. I don't think the Mets are an absolute in terms of talent dumpster fireville. They're the Mets, so they're always a dumpster fire. This isn't anything new. Like, even if they're good, shit like this is always going to happen. Like, there's always going to be dumb things that come up. Foot and mouth disease, some dumb shit like last year. You know, even when the Mets are fucking off to the best start of their career, some weird shit's going to happen.
0: It's New York sports for you, man.
1: Yeah, man. Listen, I I think they have talent still there. I will say that. I think Brody could evaluate talent. I just think he mismanages things a lot of the time.
0: I was just never big about the whole agent being your GM thing. I mean, it just screams relationships in the background to me. But, I mean, it's interesting you say that as a a Mets fan because as an outsider, I was under the impression that he's gone. So you guys aren't completely 100% on that?
2: So when it comes to me, I think Brody's gone. Who I do like the most that out of kind of this front office managerial stuff, I want to stick with Luis Rojas. I want to see what he can do. I think that he's a really good evaluator. Um, he's been in the Mets system for a long time now. He has familiarity with a lot of these guys um, in the minor league systems. I would keep him, and at this point, I think I would I would move everybody else. I would get
1: rid of Brody.
0: So how, how do you fire Brody and keep Rojas just because he's a franchise guy?
1: Murph, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that because I kind of have – I felt that at first. But now as I'm watching the actual baseball games be played, and, again, it's different baseball. But I don't think Rojas has done a very good job this year. I know he doesn't have much to work with in terms of injuries, right? I'm not going to make excuses for injuries. But I just don't think the overwhelmingly – analytical touch to the game that he, they were selling him on when he was coming in. This whole analytics part, and he, he knows the game, and he knows the players, and that whole part is great. I just feel like certain decisions have been questionable. I feel like he's doing a little too much this year, and it's really putting him into a pickle uh, in terms of closing out these games.
2: Well, he kind of has to, doesn't he? So I believe the Mets have the least amount of people in their analytics department out of all of baseball i think they employ like five people or something and it's it's like the least in the amount of all major league baseball i'll see if i can try to find that again but with steve cohen coming in you have to imagine especially you know this guy who's you know another one of those hedge fund guys made all his money in the market you have to believe he's going to invest money into the analytics portion of it right so, if that is kind of Rojas's strength, I mean, you have to imagine that you kind of keep your matches some support, man. And here Ray he came in already missing Noah Syndergaard. Then, I mean, he's got a fucking Michael Walker. And I, I forget who um,
1: our fifth uh, starter is right now or was at the... Porcello, it doesn't even oh, matter because right, right. they're fucking plugging and playing people at this point Porcello would be like our three gaselman's pitching it's a fucking mess let's have good is when he started our for best closer mage our best relief pitcher has to start for our team and it is costing us games uh, and so look in fairness yes you're right but i think certain decisions like keeping diaz out there extra innings or bringing him in when there's bases loaded and like Giving Batanzas these opportunities to close games, I know we're short-armed. I know there's a lot of games and a lot of days, and bullpens are just shattered to begin with. But I think a lot of the times, and this is something in high school baseball we used to talk about, if there are multiple one- to two-run losses that you let at some point, those are managerial games. There are certain points when you're playing that game that there could have been a decision made that alter that outcome, that at least give you the run or close out the game. So
2: I have a question for you, and then I'm also going to ask you the same question too, Murph. All right? So being, and you already said this, Tino, you think that this is a throwaway season for the most part, right? The season doesn't mean shit. So if you were trying to salvage anything out of Edwin Diaz, aren't you going to put him in those situations and hope that he somewhat regains confidence this season if you're considering it to be a wash?
1: No. (laughs) I hate his face. I don't want to see him pitch in the final innings of anything anymore. They've had to because they had to move Lugo to a starter. If it wasn't for that, the Mets already crossed the line with him. He can't be trusted in any game situation at all. But after you gave up what you did for him, you got to make it work, no? The stat I was going to pull up is that I'm pretty sure he's blown at least every four games. Every four games he appears in, he's blown a save. That's just appearances. He appears in a game every four, he blows a save. That's concerning. So he's he's
0: only under contract through this year. He goes to arbitration to next year.
1: Right. So I mean, the Mets still
2: have him under control for what another two or three years? It looks like two years. Yeah. How many years of arbitration?
0: To? Through twenty twenty two. He's an unrestricted free agent, in 2023. So I mean, I kind of agree with Mayshere. You gotta just like throw him out there and fucking kick him to the the dirt, man. I I, I mean, no. I,
2: I I think we lost Tino. Tino. Tino just has his hands over his face. I mean,
0: I get he it. Has, he doesn't like, like that guy.
1: Seventh innings, and that is it. That is it.
0: I know, but okay, uh, okay, all right, all right. Let's take it's a step got back. The overthrowing not
2: overthrowing the catcher thrown into the defense in the dugout that don't
1: exist.
0: Well, that was the best part is like y'all were calling for fucking Diaz when Batanzas came in and then the next night Diaz came in. I would never call for
1: Diaz at all. In the games he saves, I know like bad things are still going to happen like in the long run. All of those – it's a sham that before that he had like a week of good pitching and then leading up to that save opportunity, everyone's like, well, you know, Diaz is really picking up on his fastball, has a great strikeout rate. Fuck his strikeout rate. It doesn't matter, okay? He can't be trusted to close games out. He was pitching fine in the seventh. The guy just has the yips past the eighth inning. He cannot be trusted. His save against the Yankees was in the seventh inning. It wasn't a true save. It wasn't in the ninth. He cannot be trusted. I'm telling you, he cannot be trusted. If If Lugo wasn't our starter right now, he wouldn't be even close to closing games. They'd rather Familia, and that's a fact.
0: I'll take him, even though we don't need closers.
1: You don't mean that. You don't mean that. <laughs> we need fucking starters. It sounds like man. me when I said, "Yeah, we'll take Batanzas. When the Yankees got rid of, it, we'll take him. We'll take. How bad could it be? How bad could it be?
2: Well, a lot of Mets fans were excited about that move, and let's face it, at one time. But Pat- Patances was, I mean, considered a gem in that Yankees uh, rotation or uh, bullpen.
0: Was, and that's like Tino and I were saying earlier, baseball is so fucking hard to project. So, I mean, I, I bet if somebody did a research study and compared GMs in baseball to GMs in football, I bet the misses in baseball would be insane.
2: Yeah, well, not, not to mention, too, I mean – there's what uh 372 rounds in the MLB draft, so
0: I mean that's fine. You could even you could even cut it down to a certain number and even it out. And I bet GMs it's, would hit less. It's so, it's but yes, so because you're because right. They come it's a up, different they come
2: up time. Single A, Double A, Triple A, yeah. even top prospects they sometimes don't even make it to Triple A. So
0: I mean, so that's like my issue with with the Yankees switching over to them a little bit is all I've ever heard as a Yankees fan is like farm arm this or we have all these arms down in in the league and but where are they man and then they never come or they, they trade them for guys like i don't know hap or something or they'll they'll throw them into a deal for paxton and i mean dude at the end of the day they had to spend all that money on coal but even after spending all that money on coal a fully healthy yankees team is still so many question marks in my opinion from a pitching standpoint and
1: from a defensive standpoint in the infield a little bit ball's being lit up as we speak. So if it makes you feel any better, the Yankees money is going to good use tonight against the race. Well, he got lit up
0: in his last against start. The Rays
1: in a game. You'd yeah. like him to uh, come up.
0: Oh, they're playing right now.
1: Well, the lost to the Marlins today. I can't say anything. I just figure I share that note. It's only two innings in, but he's getting, he's thought, getting roughed I, up a little bit. We're... Anyways,
0: <laughs> exactly. That's my point. It's like, that's great and all. And it's and I, I use the Giants example all the time. It's like you ignore something for so long, you're gonna have to pay up for it. And that's what they exactly what they're doing for Cole. And it's like Hap goes out there and pitches has a great day on this weekend. And it's like, dude, who who the fuck sat up there and said that JA Hap is going to be a solution for this rotation going forward for this year? Like, I mean, that, just that evaluation in its own. They're lucky that Monty hasn't been complete trash. Um, But it was nice to see the rookie get up there and and have a solid day. But, again, a healthy Yankees team still has so many question marks from a a pitching standpoint. And then I'm still not sold with Glaber being the shortstop, and I'm a huge Glaber fan.
1: I mean, that's a hot take. I love Glaber. Glaber's
0: a Yankee, but I don't know that he's the shortstop.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he could play second. I, I mean, I see what you're yeah. saying, but, you know, DJ. DJ like, why
0: not, why not have some balls, Mr. quote-unquote cash god, and, and go get Lindor?
1: Oh. Really go for it. By the way, I wanted to add one more uh, Mets note here. Blind resume, guys. He's batting three seventy-five with six home runs, 17 RBIs, and six doubles this year. Anybody? Any guesses? Former Yankee Robinson Cano.
0: Everything else is in the shitter. Robbie fucking Cano is a bright spot. Interesting. That's how shitty the Mets are.
2: All right. So transitioning over from the baseball diamond to the football field. So the Giants held their blue and white scrimmage Saturday.
0: No, it was Friday night. And then they they streamed it Saturday. Yeah, it was
2: Friday night and they streamed on Saturday. And all I have to say is I learned absolutely fucking nothing from the scrimmage I was televised. I don't know about you guys, but let's hear your thoughts.
1: It was practice. That's what that was. It was a padded practice. It was two-hand touch. I, I, the only thing I really wanted to talk about was I love overreaction Twitter. I love that we're all craving football so bad that we – feed the streams of like twitter to like get like results of plays and drives and everyone's like danny jones three and out hate to see it hate to see it hate-. and it's like two hand touch <laughs> it's like guys why don't we all settled down the fumble is concerning though we can talk about that the fumble was a little concerning
0: i was a little disappointed man because first of all i thought there was two scrimmages i thought there was one on friday and then there was going to be another live scrimmage on saturday with tackling and then i turned that shit on and i'm like watching not even flag football but hell of a marketing job by the giants.com because they had us all fooled i can't take anything from any of that dude it's just dudes running around in shorts how, how is that any different than basically a combine almost danny's fumble somebody was saying something about the whistle being blown You know, I I can't, I can't evaluate any of this stuff until it's like real live action, which actually do y'all know on Thursday, is that going to be real life?
2: I have no idea, but I will tell you what though about Danny's fumble. So the one thing that I did like, and I think this was on giants.com as well is he comes over to the sideline, Joe judge says to him, Hey, I like 99% of what you did out there. What do you think I didn't like? And he said the fumble. <laughs> and he's like, yep, let's clean it up. Even if you got to take a sack, not what we want to do, but it's better than the alternative. And I'm giving some sort of verbatim conversation here. But, again, Joe Judge always being that teacher, going right after Danny. He's not hes not exempt from it. No one's exempt from it. Matter of fact, I think today uh, Danny even ran laps in practice again. <laughs> so I really like the fact that he called them over. Gave him the confidence. Hey, look, you did everything great except let's just clean this stuff up. I really like that at Joe Judge. He's probably who I'm most excited about this year.
1: It is hilarious to hear that Danny ran laps again. So what I heard it's that this is like a few times now him and Nick Gates have fumbled the snap. And this is the most football thing ever. It's when a coach comes up to you and tries to get blame out of someone and they try to get you to point the finger. So it's like They had to decide who would run the lap between the exchange. Was it on Daniel Jones or Nick Gates? And then they both end up running laps at the same time. And it's like, I love to see it because as much as people shit on each other, and that sounds like a cliche, that is like a team building thing. And it's like a, a chemistry between a center and a quarterback that's very important. That's what that type of character building stuff does. It gets those guys closer and it holds accountability between the two of them to know who's doing what and really to get a feel when you're under center because a botch snap is a drive killer. And if you do that, do that to open a drive early in a game, I mean, momentum is just down the drain. You can't afford something like that.
0: I think uh Thursday will be a, a real test for the, the whole team, obviously with cuts coming on Saturday, you know, something I was, I was thinking about earlier was surprise cuts. What about, what are y'all thinking? Anybody that you, it's on your mind that you're thinking, isn't going to make this roster?
2: Not really. I And quite frankly, there's nobody that I'm super excited about that we drafted late or that we picked up as an undrafted free agent. And I'm really like, oh, man, I hope that they make the team. This is what happens in football. You know, I, I care about guys that can be productive. Uh, names that I haven't really heard a whole lot that I'm kind of disappointed. I really want to see more out of is uh, guys like Carter Coughlin. So I would like to see what he can do. I really haven't heard much about him. I know that um, Devontae Downs is making a name for himself. So he could play possibly in that middle linebacker position opposite Blake Martinez in a 3-4. And Tay Crowder, who I really like that at Georgia too, is kind of making a name for himself. So, you know, and we need some speed on the outside. So I'm okay with that as well. In terms of cuts – Look, I mean, if Joe Judge in this regime doesn't think that you're good enough to make the roster, then that's fine by me. You know, I just really want to see progress out of these players too. Some of the things that concerned me was the fact that this offensive line supposedly in the scrimmage, from what I saw, it wasn't very aggressive. It's, it's, it's really hard to judge just blue and white scrimmage. And the reason why I said that is, and Murph, I know I said this to you, is you got some people that are going 60%. You got other people that are going 80%. You got other people that are going 95%, other people that are going 55%. It's really kind of hard to match it. On Sunday, everybody's going to go 100% or at least pretty close to it. So it's really kind of hard to to judge the performance on the scrimmage. But this offensive line didn't look good. Lorenzo Carter had three sacks that he racked up in that scrimmage game as well. Do we think he's going to be that player this year?
0: I'm not too big on Lorenzo, but I do want to ask you, going back to that offensive line question real quick, and then I'll finish on Lorenzo. Do you – Mr. Chris brought this up. Cam Flemings, cut. Thoughts?
2: I don't think so, only because of two reasons. One, he's really the only veteran presence on this offensive line aside from Kevin Zeitler. Two, he played with Mark Colombo last year familiarity in Mark Colombo and Jason Garrett's system is going to earn this guy a spot because when it comes down to it, you need somebody that is familiar with the coaches familiar with the play calling. And you kind of need that continuity on that offensive line. So I think that his job is safe.
0: Fair. Now switching back over to, to Zoe, I'm, I'm happy Zo had his night. Um, you know, they're all raving about it. I know the coaches were big about it too. Um I'm still, I mean, it's it's still a practice session to me. So three sacks or not, whether they're real sacks or whether he even finishes those sacks is a completely different story. I still think he still has got his work cut out for him, but I still have him making this roster.
1: All you guys are getting hyped up about cuts and we're skipping on something very important and it's a key addition. Let's talk about the elephant in the room that isn't exactly an elephant because if he was he'd be a very welcomed elephant. Uh, More of a scarlet night. We have Logan Ryan coming back home to New Jersey. It was a decision that should have been made a lot feel way earlier and sooner than it was. Whatever took so long, so be it. But this ultimately happened because our DB room that we thought would have been competitive and deep isn't exactly that anymore. And so what do you guys think about the signing of Logan Ryan? Well,
2: I think that it was a long time coming for sure. So I think that... This and apparently it came out today that this is something that the Giants were keeping a pulse on. So I guess the longer that he went on that market, yeah, you know, his price got reduced somewhat. My only thing is Logan Ryan still young enough where I get signing him to a one-year deal, but at the same time I don't like it. Not on a one-year deal this year. I mean I don't think he's going to come in. I don't think all of a sudden the Giants are going to improve to being an 11 win team or a 12 win team with Logan Ryan. And we spent seven and a half million dollars on him. Now, is this one of Dave Gettleman's genius plans where, hey, let's get him in the door and then we'll sign him to a long-term plan like Leonard Williams. But with as young as Logan Ryan still is, I would have liked to see that one-year deal be a three-year deal at least, knowing that you're not getting back DeAndre Baker, right? And let's face it, after this year, Haley's probably gone. Bill's probably gone. I don't think those guys are coming back. So what depth do you really have on the secondary outside of Logan Ryan? To me, I love the move. I don't like the contract land. I would have preferred for it to be another three-year deal, match him up if you have to, opposite Bradbury, even if Darnay Holmes develops into an outside corner. Or now Darnay can play the slot, too. And you're also missing Xavier McKinney. So Logan Ryan can also play the back
1: end that secondary as well uh, in the safeties if one of these corners end up developing. I love the player. Don't exactly love the deal. It's definitely a way I feel about it too. What about you, Murph?
0: Same. And also, I think Mage made a good point. The length of the deal is killer too because we have nothing behind Bradbury. I mean, I'm not comfortable starting Corey Ballantyne. I think... Some of that might come from where he fits, though, because let's talk about that a little bit. You know, he obviously is a, is a tremendous slot corner, and we need that. But at the same time, we also need someone on the outside. Um, Darnay has been given the narrative that he's a slot guy. He's been playing outside a little bit. So where do we think this falls? Do we think Ryan slides outside and Darnay's inside? Do we think it's fluid? Um, I don't know. He, I just don't know where he fits. Um, but I do like it, obviously. I just and then there's the, the possibility of him playing safety too. So
2: Well, our boy Nick Falado had mentioned in an article with SI that Darnay Holmes played close to 800 snaps outside. I think he only played 16 snaps in the slot. So Darnay Holmes can play the outside. Obviously he has to get better. He's a little bit disadvantaged because of his size, but user on Twitter had pointed out, He's actually the same size as Janoris Jenkins. He's even a little bit heavier than Jack Rabbit was. So they're both 5'10". I think Darnay is like 205. And I think like Janoris Jenkins was like 195, 196, something like that. It's about 10 pound difference. So I think the narrative that, oh no, we can't play Darnay Holmes outside. He's a slot corner. I think that's bullshit. I think you give him the opportunity to compete, let him play outside. If he does, that's great. As far as Logan Ryan goes, he's a football player. I'll give you the best Joe Judge answer. He's going to play on the defense. He's going to play somewhere. I don't give a fuck where it is. He has the ability to play slot. He has the ability to play safety. He has the ability to play outside. I don't care. We signed We signed the guy that could play football.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, I was surprised. But the Joe-Judges connection obviously makes sense. Um, it firms us up, but we still got a ton of questions back there, man. Um, for me, I'm a little bit more comfortable putting Darnay on the outside with Logan on the inside for now. You know, other than that – I We're we're slim pickings after that. I still feel like we should be out there shopping a little bit more for some groceries.
2: Well, I know that we talked about this as well, too. But you had a couple other options at cornerback. Again, what would their value have been? And I guess my question is, really, what is this signing for Dave Gettleman? Is he bringing him in to say, hey, welcome home. Welcome back to New Jersey. Hey, you're with a coach that you're familiar with. Let's get you to stay here another three years, maybe. All right. If that's the case, then I'm fine with it. If not, yeah, guys like um, Morris Claiborne, that was still out there. Veteran, not very good, but he's serviceable. Yet, Akeep Talib is still
1: out there. He's older. Again, I don't know if you kind of want that or not. Meish, but before you even get to another person, the one that will be the right answer for us is Prince of Mukamara. I mean, we're talking about bringing guys back, and this is something me and Murph are talking about off air, is – Essentially a similar fit as Ryan in terms of coming to a place he's comfortable. He's been before. Can I stop you for a second? So I'm going to stop you for a second and I'll let you go. I don't think Prince
2: of has is added a question yet. Yeah, no, he's not. I think, I think he can still return. I think Prince of Mukamara is not going to demand a contract that's going to go for 6 million, even $4 million. Mm-hmm. I think Prince of Mukamara will play for probably one and a half or two. So I'm not ruling him out yet as a depth piece. And I know that the Giants were interested in both him and Logan Ryan today. So I like where your head's at with that, Tino. But now we also talked about this as well. And, uh, you know, Tino, I'll give you the floor because I know you had a Prince of Mukamara piece. So.
1: Well, no. So I just think, you know, his deal or his situation with the Raiders fell through. Obviously, he's a guy that other people are kind of taking looks at. So, if, he's, if it's a situation where Ryan was in the same boat, other teams wanted him, they don't work out, even the Giants need him, now is like another chance. It's like we can't miss on some of these guys, especially when they're guys that know how to play in New York and in, the, in this environment and that like being here. Even like Jabril, and we talk about this with baseball and football, New York is not an easy place to play. So if you get guys who are comfortable and familiar and happy to be here, you just start to get everyone gelling. You start to get everything gelling, and I really like if Prince would come back because I think he could fit this team this year.
0: Dude, a lot of people sleep on Prince because he was, like, soft and got called out by JPP when he was a giant and this, this, and that. But, like, you look at the man's stats, and he's a durable football player. He has played in the league for a long time. He's serviceable. Yeah, he's serviceable. He's continued to make tackles every single year. I mean, the Raiders signed him to actually start opposite of, um, I think – his name's Mullins, but uh, he got beat out by rookies, which is why he basically got cut. Dan Arnett, who I wanted the Giants to um, draft, but that's a whole other story. And, uh, you know, they had him on a $1.18 million deal or some shit like that. So, like you said, easy money to, to for us to put in the books.
2: See, that's perfect. So, again, anytime it comes back to cap, I'm always usually pretty damn close on what cap figures are. Just off of the top of the dome. So I guess I'm sort, of, uh, I'm sort of a savant like that.
0: All right, Kevin Abrams.
2: Hey, you don't know. I, I'm, I'm the genius behind Kevin Abrams. So
0: He's bald, too.
2: Well, anyway, so I'll bring this back to your question that Murph always asks and also our boy Chris always asks. Do we want to bring a Prince of Mukamara though? Because how much does that delay the development of these cornerbacks, Darnay Holmes, Corey Ballantyne, Julian Love?
0: If you're bringing a prince in, that means the development of those guys isn't going as quick as you expected. Now, it's a different offseason, though, too. So we are approaching this from a different little – first of all, I believe we're getting a little extra space on the final roster. Second of all, it's a different off season, so these rookies haven't necessarily had a fair shot at getting ready for week one. But I don't know, man. That's a, that's a tough one to, to, to answer right now. But for me, for me, it's just, it's just more vet experience that we don't have. And our secondary took a weird hit with, with Beal and Baker, not that they were vets, but what better way to get them training under the vets and training under guys that already played in New York?
1: Well, it's not even for me training under them. It's that we really do need depth. I think like, obviously the Ryan deal for me. Yeah. One year is an ideal, But I think it's, like, cautionary for the Giants. I think they have extra money that they don't really know what to do with. They're going to say, all right, fuck it. Let's get our needs. And if you do get guys that are familiar with the system or from New Jersey, maybe we luck out in a sense, like you guys talked about, because they're around here, maybe next year it works in our favor and we do resign these guys. I think, like you guys talked about before, okay, if we don't have anyone other than Bradbury, yeah, if Prince's contract is done after a year – He's a guy we could just bring back and build on if that chemistry in the DB room gels well. I think Darnay, sure, maybe it slows his progression down a little bit, but I wouldn't count my chickens because obviously we were about to be in a position where Darnay was going to take his time to he was going to have to start. That's how quickly people went down. So as much as I think it'll slow his growth down. I would definitely still expect Arne Holmes to be getting reps with the starting defense come this season, even if we sign Prince or whoever else.
0: And we've already seen it with Joe judge. He's not afraid to match anyone up against anyone in practice. So it's going to happen that they're going to get, at least get the experience in practice, maybe not on game day, but I, I it's, it's fluid with the giants. Literally. I think that's a great word for the giants right now. It's literally fluid on so many levels from offense to defense, to structure of the team, to coaching, um, There's going to be a lot of change from week one to week 16, or from now to week 16.
2: So, staying with the New York Giants, it looks like Golden Tate came up today with a hamstring injury. Murph, this is your boy. This is your man crush.
0: That's a dagger, man. I mean – Yeah, that is my dude. I got him in fantasy, too. Expect him to produce. But honestly, that's just a dagger to our wide receiver room. That's already kind of, I don't know if slim is the right word. But Tate's the leader there. Tate's part of the leader of the offense, period. So I I haven't seen the severity of it. I know Kim Jones was the one that reported it, and it's been kind of kept under wraps, and Judge didn't say much about it. But, I mean, to not have Tate week one might kind of be a little bit of dagger, in my opinion. But at the same time, Corey Coleman looks ready to go.
1: Guys, I know we're talking about current Giants wide receivers, and we didn't exactly plan on talking about this, but I want to stir the pot because I saw something recently, and it's a situation we could be in. You make the comment that the wide receiver room is a little thin, right? If the Giants don't necessarily become a great team this year and we're inside the top 10 again, there's a guy who happens to be the best receiver in college football committing to come out right now in Jamar Chase. Someone the Giants' early mocks have been linked to What are your thoughts on us just drafting a receiver in the first round? Haven't done it since Odell. What are your thoughts on doing that? Would it be only if it's Jamar Chase? Do you think we're that thin at wide receiver that, you know, without Golden Tate, we don't have another guy? Do you think that might be something the Giants have to consider?
0: Uh, Yes and no. Top five, absolutely not. Top ten, probably not. Um, Do we need a receiver? Yes. So, I don't know, dude. I don't want to start that fucking headache already. But no, I'm not taking a top. I'm not taking Jamar Chase top five.
2: Look, I'm gonna get real close to the microphone to say this. Okay, you ready? No. That's it. I I am not taking a wide receiver in the first round unless we're drafting fucking thirty second overall. And I love it because I have all my no running back, zero running back. I hate running backs. I, I love those doubters out there that, you know, I admit that I uh, say Barkley was the wrong pick. And these are all people that absolutely love Odell, right? So, but there is so many more glaring needs on this team. I'll tell you what, coming into next year, The two positions I'm probably prioritizing the most, if I have a top 10 pick, it's going to be pass
1: rush, and I'll even take another offensive lineman next year. I'd take a corner. I know I don't want to necessarily do that whole Eli Apple experience again, but honestly, if we're in no man's land, and it tends to happen a lot, maybe not a corner, but like one of those hybrid defensive guys that kind of don't have a place Isaiah Simmons fell to eight this year and he was like value top three, top four. You always tend to have guys in the top 10 that are just stout athletes on defense that you don't really know what to do with. I feel like the giants kind of need a do it all guy. We need a pass rush. Sure. I'll take that. We can take a linebacker too. I know we have guys under contract, but adding to that depth and having guys play under certain players isn't necessarily a bad thing. I still think defense is our biggest need. I, we went a lot of offensive line this year. Ideally, I'd like to see Parrot and you know Thomas pay off, so that we don't necessarily have to go that route again, and we could finally address defense because the Giants just don't take defensive players, at least big ones, in the first round.
0: So since Tino started this bullshit, I had to go look at the free agent class next year, and uh, since you officially started next year's draft campaign for Jamar Chase, my campaign so my is campaign. my ca- Someone
1: else started that. <laughs>
0: my campaign is going to be. Sign Allen Robinson, 2021.
1: Wow. and discuss like that. It's
2: not going like to happen, that. especially not next year with the salary cap expected to decrease. And the fact that, yeah, he's breaking the fact back. that we still have Nate Solder on our books, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Allen Robinson, I think that hook anywhere between 14 and 16 mil a year, it's not going to be from the New York Giants. So, all right. So here's my question to you both then, right? Because I think that the Giants need to prioritize defense next year, specifically a pass rusher. Who on the defense this year is the leader of the team? Who do you think confidently you can say is the leader on defense on this team? Blake Martinez.
1: I don't have confidence in anybody else.
0: So um, I would say Blake, <laughs> it's only Blake Martinez. Blake as well. But confidently, hold on, Mish. Confidently, my answer is going to be Jabril Pippers. Wow.
1: I think Sexy Dexy is going to be close. I think Sexy I like Dexy has too. a better shot like than uh, Jabril I like
0: that, too. I, I like all three of those guys, but somebody's going to get a C that didn't have so lot.
2: So when I first proposed the question, first person I thought of as well, Murph, was Jabril Peppers, because I think it's natural on him. Blake Martinez, I think, is more of those leadership by example type, but I don't think he's more of the vocal type. So I don't know if it's him, but I do like – Tino suggesting that it could be sexy Dexy, though. If he has a huge year, Aaron Donald type, and people really look at him as a
1: force to be fucked with, he can definitely emerge as a leader on that defense. If there's some hype coming out of this offseason, it's about Dexter Lawrence, like that I'm really hyped about and believe. I've seen his progressions, I've seen what he's been doing in the offseason training. He's working with some animals, like, in the best way possible. The biggest of the big dudes, the biggest and the baddest, and he's learning from the best. And he came from a program like Clemson, so it's not like he wasn't already talented and had had the attributes to do it. I would not be surprised if he takes a huge step forward this year. If opposite Leonard Williams, if Leonard Williams continues to struggle to actually tackle the quarterback, I think Dexter will actually do that, finish it, and pick up those sacks that Leonard Williams can't get.
0: Well, what you just said is 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 all it. Let Leonard space heat and let Dexter do the sexy menace, even though they're kind of built to do the opposite. Whatever. If if Dexter is gonna be the one chasing the quarterback down, fine. If 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 is gonna be the one that can't get off the block, but he's eating space. Well, I'll oh. tell you
2: what. I got hard watching Dexter uh, chase down Saquon Barkley from behind. So
1: a big guy like that that can move that fast hey attacking people from behind that's major fucking that's that's, that's my shit paradise. right there
2: that's my yeah. shit right there don't get me started as a matter of fact speaking of clemson players didn't you once chase clinton Farrell into a bathroom
0: talking about me this is like the third time you brought this up but yes <laughs> i did it was also roommates with dexter um i still haven't responded to me wonder why.
2: I'm pretty sure it's because you were staring at him while in the Euro next to him. Alright, so shifting over here, what do you guys think about the O-line? Biggest surprise so far? Uh Maybe not a surprise, but the development of Nick Gates. So, what do you guys think about this offensive line?
0: I'm not surprised. I knew he was going to fit in somewhere. I wasn't 100% sure if it was going to be the center position, but I mean, I was watching. It's really cool what the Giants are doing. They're doing like Afternoon practice updates on YouTube. Um, I suggest all so y'all watch that. But I was watching that earlier, and, and deal is all about Gates, man. He said he's pretty much locked in to be the starter. Um, and speaking of of centers, they worked out Jalapeno today, which I'm not too big of a fan of. But does that mean the writing on the walls for Pulley? Um, but it sounds like Nick Gates is is the go at, at the center position.
1: Yeah, I mean it's pretty glaring that, and again. We're hearing that he's getting the reps with Daniel Jones. Granted, it's not necessarily good news, but the point is, they're getting the reps together from what we're hearing. So, those are important essential reps if you're trying to get the, uh, you know, that chemistry going between center and quarterback. So, it seems like he's going to be the guy. In terms of everyone else, I think it's what we expect so far. I think Fleming is really just the one that we kind of teeter on, on whether or not he's going to actually stick with the team through this training camp and start at right tackle. I think he will, like we talked about earlier in this. Um, because of the familiarity between Garrett and, uh, Colombo. But other than that, I think it's kind of what we expect. It's really just the center competition to watch.
0: It sounds like Pert is doing a really good job showing what he's got as well too. And they're saying that his development's coming a little bit quicker than they thought, not saying he's going to start week one, but, um, you know, I, I believe Fleming only has a one year deal. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully Pert is that guy going forward, because it sounds like it's not going to be Gates.
2: I'm really digging Matt Pert's 1970s bad cop mustache, too.
0: He's a lot bigger than I thought when I was watching the game or the practice today.
2: And I, and I still love the fact that he ticked off Marcus Golden, too. Yeah, Another name, which I don't think you mentioned, but Shane Lemieux. A lot of people look at Shane Lemieux and they just see him and they think, wow, that guy's a nasty son of a bitch.
0: I've seen him in a couple of Saquon highlights leading the way a little bit. He glides, man. He's he's a pretty quick little dude. And he's
2: nasty, too. If you talk about Will Hernandez kind of being a dog and getting after people, I mean, Shane Lemieux has that same mentality, man. That dude is a pit fucking bull. He's not going to give up. All right, so that's going to wrap up our first episode as Clapback Sports. Thank you to everybody for listening. Peace and love, everyone.